Hi guys! Hello! It's me, Jen, your host and lifelong sparkle enthusiast. Welcome to a bonus Tea and Gemstones episode. Not released on a Tuesday. What a rebel I am! This episode is going to be the first episode for the Tea and Gemstones Patreon page a place where fellow gem and jewelry lovers can come together for a fun, sparkly community to get exclusive bonus episodes of the show, shoutouts, stickers, and other exclusive tea and gemstones merchandise. But I felt like I couldn't not show everyone what the bonus episode will be like. So yes, This episode is both on Patreon and available to everyone on all the standard listening platforms, but this is the last time. If you want an extra serving of tea and gemstones, head over to Patreon for $5 a month about the cost of a grande latte at Starbucks. You get access to the whole special sparkly world I'm creating. Shall we begin? While many diamond shapes encapsulate overlapping vibes, like the emerald cut is simplistic yet bold, the pear cut is duly soft and fierce, there's one diamond cut that relishes in its specialization of one quality. It's the heart cut diamond, which is nothing else but romantic. Saying heart cut doesn't refer to the anatomical heart with ventricles and chambers, though sign me up if anyone creates that. But it's the classic symmetrical heart that we all drew starting in kindergarten with soft mounds at the top and rounded sides culminating in a point. Heart cuts, like pears, are a personal preference for the ratio of its specified length and width. Some hearts can be more chubby and wide or more long and tapered. They're typically cut with between 56 and 58 facets, so nice and sparkly. It's not recommended to execute a heart cut on a diamond smaller than half a carat weight. To capture the curves of the top of the heart takes a good amount of raw material, so heartstones need to be on the bigger side to show off their shape, ideally. Women who choose heart diamonds have big feelings about most things in their lives. A passionate person who embraces both the sensitivity of being a romantic and the inner strength that comes with the clarity of knowing what or who you love. We're not sure what starry-eyed gem cutter invented the heart design. The first recorded mention of a heart diamond comes in 1463 when the Duke of Milan writes of discussing purchasing a heart diamond from a friend in his journal. In 1562, Mary, Queen of Scots, sent Queen Elizabeth I a heart-shaped diamond ring as a supposed symbol of friendship. I can't say that worked since Elizabeth kind of allowed slash ordered Mary to be beheaded 25 years later, but I wonder where that heart ring is now. Famous modern heart engagement rings include Lady Gaga. 
Like most celebrity engagements, the love match didn't last. Lady Gaga and her actor fiancé Taylor Kinney broke up before they made it to the altar. But her six-carat, heart-cut white solitaire from celebrity favorite jeweler Lorraine Schwartz is on the internet for all time. If Lady Gaga's ring was a supersized version of a classic solitaire, rapper Nicki Minaj put her own style twist on her heart ring from fellow rapper Meek Mill. Another celebrity coupling that didn't last. But in April of 2015, Nicki posted an Instagram photo of her rainbow-colored long nails and a megawatt heart ring. Reportedly close to an enormous 15 carats, her heart diamond was a vivid yellow encircled by a double row of white pave diamonds. Definitely not for the faint of heart, pardon the pun, but I'd say well suited for the rapper's personality. However, the couple broke up in late 2016, so the yellow heart ring now lives on just in photos. Heart designs are so fun to talk about because no matter how they are done, they reflect a point of view and personality. I think choosing a heart-cut gemstone is a choice not many people make, but those who do absolutely love them. If a heart is a romantic, soft shape, I would venture that a triangle is no nonsense. Those well-balanced three sides, all in equal proportion with sharp lines and edges, triangles are said to symbolize strength and energy, which makes sense. They hearken to the shape of a confident arrow. A triangle-shaped diamond is called a trillion cut, also sometimes trillient. The modern triangle shape you see now sparkling by the jewelry counter was created by a diamond cutter in New York named Leon Finker in 1962. Other diamond companies got inspired by Leon. It's funny, it's like the triangle had flown under the stylistic radar until that point, and suddenly the gem cutters were like, oh, yeah, let's do a triangle. But from an economic standpoint, Leon won out temporarily. His son, Marvin Finker, he patented his father's triangular cut design in the early 1970s. They actually got into a bit of drama, Leon and another diamond cutter named Henry Meyer. They were both cutting very similar triangular diamonds, but Meyer called his shape Trillient and Leon named his design Trillion. But in 1986, a federal judge revoked Marvin Finker's trademark of his father's design, and the judge declared the words trillion and trillient as, quote, equivalent, end quote. It seems like a lot of brouhaha for a diamond shape that was really only used as an accent, but the Finker family took the high road approach to losing their trademark. Uh, they actually, they took out a half page advertisement in the New York times and sort of gifted the term trillion to the diamond cutting profession, but also simultaneously mentioned finger cut triangles would now be referred to as triel. 
but I don't think anyone really cared. <laughs> I tried to research the current state in 2022 of Triel Diamonds, and I found Marvin Finker's LinkedIn profile listing himself as the owner of a company called Trillion Diamond Company, which looks like it has an address on West 47th Street in New York City, but uh, they don't have a website, any reviews on Yelp, and their Google profile says by appointment only with no phone number. Uh, no mention of calling themselves Triel. Instead, it's all Trillion, which I thought the judge said wasn't exclusive to them. I guess that doesn't mean the Finkers can't use the term, just that everyone else can too. None of this is to dog on them. I was just curious to see how this triangle naming saga shook out, and it seems like it just faded away. So, like I mentioned earlier, Trillion Cut Diamonds are most popular as an accent, or side stones, framing a stone of a different shape in the middle. Lots of times, a whole halo of little triangles are arranged around a round or oval center stone for a floral effect. The British royal family is fond of this style. Princess Margaret, Princess Diana, Kate Middleton, the Duchess of Cambridge, Sarah Ferguson, the Duchess of York, and Princess Eugenie all said yes to engagement rings with triangle halos. Interesting side note, all of those royal engagement rings I listed, they all have non-diamond centers. In that list is two rubies, a blue sapphire, and a rare padparadisha peach sapphire. All of the halos of triangles were white diamonds. But moving on from the halos, for someone with lots of confidence and a taste for a twist on the traditional a triangle solitaire ring is a showstopper. When cut as an accent stone, trillions usually have 31 facets, but when they step into the spotlight of being the center of the show, they rock 50 facets, which is about the same as a princess cut. So it isn't the very most sparkliest of cuts, but it is no slouch, and the allure of those three sharp corners and the powerful linear sides are the real selling points. A diamond shape you've probably seen before, but maybe not known the name, is the functionally versatile, long, skinny rectangle shape rather whimsically named the baguette. Yeah, like a loaf of delicious French bread. Baguettes are a step-cut stone, and while like the triangle diamond can be an accent or take center stage, the baguette truly is just a supporting player. If you wanted a rectangle cut as the star of your jewelry, you'd go with an emerald cut, the big grown-up version of a baguette. Baguettes, though, are almost always in a small carat size. They have 14 straight, clearly defined facets that are wonderful for visually pulling the eye where you want it to look. Sometimes they form a perfect rectangle. Sometimes the edges are more tapered, narrower, or wider on one end. Baguettes can be set horizontally for a more linear vibe or less commonly set vertically sometimes to create a trilogy three-stone design. But who helped create this adaptable cut? Uh, we're not really sure. 
We know the shape came into use during the Art Deco period of the 1920s and the 1930s, when designers craved clean, structured lines. The word baguette translates from French to long rod. So yeah, it's a cool name to share with Tasty Carbs. If you love the dainty little rectangles and believe they can be more than just a supporting player to a center stone, you're not alone. A popular wedding band or eternity ring style is to feature a seamless row of baguette diamonds placed end to end like the most glamorous little train cars. Due to baguette diamonds typically small size, they have a pretty affordable price point and the cut is flattering to more than diamonds. Rubies, topaz, amethyst, etc. all look great in baguette form. If you're thinking about buying a new stacking ring, consider baguettes. They're très magnifique. I've talked about how the strong lines of a shape can elicit feelings of strength. But what about wearing a literal shield? Shield, or sometimes called kite-cut diamonds, are a fascinating hybrid shape of a pair and a trillion. They have the benefit of facing up larger than their carat weight due to their shallow base. Think like a, um, like a huge iceberg floating on the sea, everything under the water you can't see. A diamond that carries a lot of under-the-water weight doesn't look as big on the finger as it should. Asher cuts are really guilty of this. But not shield cuts. They're a great bang for your buck. The shield cut is a very economical shape. Raw diamond crystal likes to form into octahedrons. That is an eight-sided double pyramid. Side note, a fantastic example of an uncut diamond octahedron is the yellow Oppenheimer diamond at the Smithsonian National Gem Collection. It's a whopping 253.7 carats and is a fascinating example of how diamonds form in the earth. But back to the shield cut. Some of the most famous diamonds in the world are shield cut, like the Mosaif Red, a 5.8. 11 carat fancy red diamond considered the largest red diamond in the world and is actually one of the featured stones I talk about way back in episode one of tea and gemstones. Another notable shield is the Guinea star diamond and the Sancy diamond. The Guinea star is an 89 carat D flawless diamond mined from the Republic of Guinea in 1986. It was actually cut from a rough stone that started at 255 carats, and that one stone yielded three flawless diamonds, one being the shield-shaped guinea star. The other two stones in this created set of fraternal triplets was an eight-carat pear and a five-carat heart. Uh, So clearly, the 90-carat shield dwarfed the others. The Guinea Star went the way of a lot of famous diamonds. It was sold to an anonymous buyer with a price tag of around $10 million, and it now resides in a private collection. But there are a lot of pictures online, and they're worth a look. The seven-sided shield is so unique. 
As far as bringing a shield diamond into your own life, this uncommon cut isn't likely to be staring up at you through the glass counter at like Zales or Jared's, but there are an abundance of selections online. Typing in shield cut diamond in a quick Etsy search with no additional filters yielded over 4,800 results. Not a staggering amount, but still lots of choices to peruse. So if a pear shape is too soft, a triangle too forceful, but you still crave a twist on tradition, look no further than a shield cut. You'll be an exquisite company and can relish your amazingly favorable glamour to price ratio. Bob Ross on The Joy of Painting assured us that mistakes are just happy accidents. And I would like to submit that a gym cutter named Christopher Slowinski would agree. In 1998, this Polish-born stone designer was working in New York City and tried to execute a typical emerald cut uh, diamond on a large, clear, rough stone. But he made a mistake or a happy accident with one of his facet placements. And rather than making the emerald cut he planned, Christopher Slowinski followed his new design trajectory. And I'm so glad he did because the result was a dynamic long rectangle with 77 facets that appear to crisscross the whole diamond face. So the new cut is unsurprisingly named the Chris Cut. With its 77 facets, the Chris Cut has a lot more sparkle power than the Hall of Mirrors of a typical Emerald Cut's 58 facets. Slowinski's new technique had a lot of benefits. The angles of the many facets produced a brighter, wider diamond that faces up 50% larger than other shaped cuts of the same carat weight. So a one carat crisp cut stone looks like one and a half carats, while a one carat round just looks like one. The crisp cut is a very new shape on the diamond scene, but its popularity is steadily gaining. One glance into the crisp cut's triangular facets, continually bouncing light brilliantly back and forth, it's easy to fall in love. There aren't really any famous stones cut in the Chris Cut style, but I bet there will be in a few years. All it takes is one celebrity to get a Chris Cut engagement ring and its name recognition will explode. Oh, in 2016, Slowinski's company did unveil the world's largest Chris Cut diamond named the Lamore. It weighs in at just over 10 carats, but appears much larger. It reportedly took six months to cut from a 122 carat rough stone and is valued at a cool million dollars. All I have to say to that is, yes, please. That's all for this first bonus Patreon episode of Tea and Gemstones. I hope y'all have enjoyed a deeper look at some of the more obscure shapes possible for a diamond. Really any gemstone. Can someone please look at a heart-shaped amethyst or a shield topaz and not tell me it's love at first sight? 
If you have a shape that I haven't talked about and I need to talk about it, drop a comment on the Instagram post for this episode. Send me a message. Now that we're on Patreon, you can send me a direct chat message, which you can also do on Instagram, but we all know how it is. Sometimes the DMs and Instagram get a little crowded. Thank you guys. Thank you, Patreons. Your continued support allows me to do things like purchase podcasting equipment, buy access to academic research servers, jewelry books, and in general, help make this show not just possible, but better and better. Okay, until next time, I have been your host, Jen, and I sincerely hope you all stay sparkly.